Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie back with Paul Wallace. His book is called Escaping from Eden. Paul, so if there are many Elohims, many gods, what does that tell us? Well, I think when people read the Bible and think of the Bible, they probably think of a world that has God, the devil, human beings, animal, vegetable, mineral, and nothing else. Uh, But as soon as you go into the text, understanding this word Elohim, knowing that it's a plural, it's like brushing revealer over invisible ink. And all of a sudden you can see the earlier layers of the story that have come from the Sumerian sources. And you realize there are all kinds of entities named all through the Bible. And in fact, there is a it sounds like some kind of a governing committee called the Heavenly Council or the Sky Council. And on that group of beings in the Bible, there are beings who seem quite diverse. They have conflicting agendas. They sometimes get into wars. And certainly they have conflicting ideas over human intelligence. And we see that play out in a couple of places. In in the story of the fall in Genesis 3, there's one faction that wants to upgrade human intelligence. There's another faction that wants us kept pretty unintelligent, so unintelligent that we don't even know that we're naked, and they have a big conflict over that. They have a conflict over our technology in the Babel story. And then all through the Old Testament, through the Hebrew Scriptures, you've got these wars where one Elohim will send their human beings out to battle the human beings of another Elohim because they're in conflict with each other for resources. What about Sodom and Gomorrah? I think that was nuked. It looks that way. That's exactly right. And it's, it's just interesting, isn't it, that often when we read sacred texts, we read them through religious lenses. But if you read them through other lenses, lenses you will suddenly ask questions like, is that a nuclear bomb that I just read about? Is that uh, an ET abduction that I just heard reported? Was that a close encounter? And the Bible is full of anomalies like that that the the moment you stop long enough to think about it, you realize a much bigger world is being shown you. Like Eric Von Donneken's uh, Chariots of the Gods revolutionized this thought process, I think escaping from Eden has that very much potential to do the same thing, Paul. Well, that really is my heart, because I take my hat off to Eric Von Donneken, because what he did was to break a taboo and to take something that people might have been embarrassed to think or to talk about and make it the stuff of mainstream conversation. And that really is my heart for Escaping from Eden, that my book will do the same for a whole new generation so that we all can be part of this conversation. How many different species of ETs do you think are out there? Well, that's a fascinating question. As I read uh, the world's mythologies, I would think I can identify at least four. If I go to some other sources, I might come up with rather more. A few years ago, um, Prime Minister Medvedev, uh, the Russian Prime Minister, was caught on camera. He had just done an interview, and at the end of the interview, it, it formally concluded, but they were still running the cameras, and the interviewer asked Prime Minister Medvedev, about ET species, ET contact. And he said, well, 
I'm just going to say this once. If you watch the Russian documentary Men in Black, that's not the Will Smith movie. It's an actual documentary uh, in Russia about E.T. A, a real one, a real one, not a movie. A real one, that's right. He said that's basically true, what it's saying. And when you become prime minister here, you get given a folder detailing the, I think he said 11 extraterrestrial civilizations that we're in contact Jeez. with. Now, that was all recorded. You can watch it on YouTube. And it was not attacked. You did not hear uh, President Putin go on air and say, I'm afraid Prime Minister Medvedev was um, incapacitated or he was joking or he was just having a laugh. And you can watch it for yourself. He doesn't look like he's joking to me. Uh, so I think there may be a number who maybe this, what we read about in the Hebrew Scriptures, this sky council of a number of different presences in some kind of uneasy but stable arrangement looking over planet Earth, maybe not much has changed since that was described all those thousands of years ago. What about angels, Paul? How do you look at angels after looking at the Genesis and putting the theories of ETs? I think there are angels, but where are they in the Bible? That's a great question, because the words that are used for angel are really quite mysterious, because the words really denote a function rather than a particular kind of being. And so some angels may be spiritual emissaries from God. Other entities that we call angels might be something quite different. And I think that in the universe we have a spectrum of entities and beings and some perhaps nicer than others. And angel is a word we use for the nicer ones and the ones that are helpful and the ones that are aligned with the kind of goodness that we associate with God. Um, but when we find the word angel, it doesn't necessarily tell us what kind of entity it is. For instance, in um, the Genesis 6 story, you've got beings there who get described as fallen angels. Certainly the book of Enoch describes them that way, but they're flesh and blood. They're flesh and blood enough to be able to hybridize with human beings. So that's not the usual way people think about angels. I'm convinced that the gods of Greek mythology were extraterrestrial as well. How about you? Yes, I think that there are so many correlations. If you look at the mythologies all around the world, whether it's Greek, Indian, Norse, Mesoamerican, African, Australian, Aboriginal, there is a great overlap. And they run in parallel with the Sumerian stories. And so many details of the stories uh, run in parallel. So yes, I do think that our mythologies carry a memory of our ancestors' contact with ET species. And there are plenty of eminent people who hold this view. Many people forget that the great Carl Sagan, back in the 1960s, argued for this, argued that we probably had had many, many contacts with extraterrestrial species in the distant past, and that the memory of that is held in our ancestral narratives, and our world mythologies. And, and his, as I researched for Escaping from Eden, that's exactly what I found. And his book, Contact, was turned into an amazing movie. It was, and it was his only novel, and though he really lived his life as a strict scientist and, and a skeptic, I think that what he put into Contact 
was a belief he held that he could not present as fact, but he wanted to get the idea out there. And in fact, there's something very specific in that movie. You remember the signal comes uh, from outer space, and we recognize yep. that it's an intelligent signal because of the repetition of primes in the pattern. That's where the story begins. Well, what's really interesting is that the SETI Institute investigated uh, the wow signal of 1977, and Carl Sagan would have had a lot of privileged information about that research. And there's also DNA research that really matches what was in that movie, research that was done by two scientists from the Fezenkov Astrophysical Institute and the Kazakh Al-Farabi National University. They've spent 13 years studying the human genome. I'm talking about Maxim Mikulov and Vladimir Sherbak. And they have identified in our genetic code, in our DNA, repetitions of primes that they believe are a signature of intelligence. It's like the signature of our designer saying, look at this, you know this couldn't happen randomly. Nine repetitions of multiples of 37. And they said the chances of that happening randomly are one in 10 trillion. In other words, it's obvious it's not random. Exactly. And so what's in the movie Contact is actually in our flesh and blood. When you look at uh, all these possibilities that are out there, what do you conclude personally? I believe that we live in a populated universe. I believe, just as those theologians were saying in 2009, that we're part of a wider cosmic family. I share the belief of Plato that there was an intervention in our evolution to upgrade our consciousness and intelligence, and the memory of that is in mythologies all around the world. So I believe that there's some part of our ET family that is very favorable towards us and that we should be excited about being in contact with. Others may be less so, but that it's a far bigger and more interesting universe than we've perhaps generally been taught in school. What do you think, Paul, of the abduction phenomenon where people claim they've been taken or some people never come back to tell us? The abduction phenomenon, people often think of that as a, a modern experience, a post-war phenomenon, but it is actually as old as the hills. Every culture has a history and a tradition of abduction stories, and it's right up until the present. And I must say, one of my motivations in getting the book out there, Escaping from Eden, is that I believe we ought to be listening with respect to people who report contact and abduction experiences, because People can be very, very isolated when they have these experiences. I have people contacting me every single day who have had experiences, often close encounters, and sometimes they'll say to me, I experienced this when I was 15. I'm now 65. Oh, I've talked about it to my wife, to the person who experienced it with me, and in the 50 years since, I haven't told another living, breathing soul because I don't want to be humiliated. And I think that's just terrible. I think if we would listen with respect, knowing that nobody expects to gain from this kind of story, we might learn a great deal more about our universe. And the rate at which people are contacting me with these stories tells me that far more of our friends and neighbors have had these experiences 
than we might ever have imagined. When the authors of the Bible wrote what they did, especially Genesis, why weren't they a little clearer in what we were all seeing at that time? Why didn't they just spell it right out that, you know, we saw these objects come down, we, you know, we don't know what they are, these people came out of it, uh, and why did they kind of turn it into angelic and fallen and evil and stuff like that? Uh, George, that's a great question. I think there's still a lot that's very clear in the Bible. If you look at Ezekiel's encounters, for instance, uh, come to that text without reading it through religious lenses, and you'll see straight away, oh my goodness, this is, this is an E.T. abduction, and it's not the only one in the Bible. But I think one of the reasons it's not clear is that there were a number of edits that were worked on the Old Testament, and the most recent, there's a wide consensus among Bible scholars that it was done in the 6th century BCE to rework the whole of the Hebrew canon into a single work to teach the very important truth that there is only one God. And that edit is clear because the holy name for God, Yahweh, has been put right back into the beginning of the Bible, into stories of events that happened centuries before the holy name was known. And so that's the clue to the reader. This has been reworked. And I think in that reworking, the texts were monotheized. So those early texts that I believe Abraham had brought with him from Ur of the Chaldees, those early texts were not God's stories. They were the stories of the powerful ones, but they got edited. The holy name was put in to make them appear like God's stories, but all those anomalies I mentioned earlier, those are the clues that those stories were not God's stories, and we should not be blaming God for some of the dramatic and violent behaviors that we read about. So that's how some of the confusion and obscurity came. The other entities were sort of edited out, and then some of the words I think we read, and we read in our own meanings, and we don't quite realize that's what we're doing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.